Welcome to Running Virtually, episode 68, Random Acts of Kindness. Well, hello, my friends. This is Just Plain Dave. Want to go for a walk? Me too. Oh, it is a beautiful, sunshiny day. Some of the cars go by a little too quickly, but I will survive. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. New Year's a coming. I hope you are well. I appreciate you, my friends. Thank you for letting me share my thoughts with you. I really do appreciate you. And I know how fortunate I am to have a healthy brown dog who can come with me for a walk. We have both had a couple of minor injury things. I had uh, two weeks before Christmas had an injury in my heel that I totally suspected was plantar fasciitis. Luckily, I was wrong. Or if it was, I nipped it in the bud and it was feeling much better after less than 10 days. Um, and that was me. And I actually just went and did a nice uh, four-mile hike with friends yesterday. A handful of guys out in the woods wearing masks. Sounds like playing cowboys and Indians when we were kids. Gosh, politically correct? Cowboys and Indians? Probably not politically correct. And, uh, and I just went for a social run this morning with my friend Michelle, who lives in town. Two people out in 22-degree sunshine. And isn't it a nice thing to ch- chat about the bigger world? And I'm very happy because Brown Dog is healthy. We've had a couple of snowstorms, and she and I went and did a romp in the snow. Got together with a couple more dogs. And she is 11 years old and runs around like she's a crazy little puppy. She does not make good decisions. Not sure where she gets that from. But she just runs and runs and runs. And uh, so the day after the snowstorm, she's galumping through the snow and porpoising, you know, like trotting in these big giant leaps and bounds and having so much fun. And when we finished her right rear hip was definitely tender and she was favoring it. And then two days later, we went for a similar run. The snow was a little more packed. And because of her previously injured hip, I think she injured her front left forepaw and she could not put any weight on it. So I spent a whole week nursing her and taking care of her and resting her. And yesterday and today, she is walking without a limp. I think I think what she needed was rest and a little bit of self-restraint. I've got to teach her to have some doggy self-restraint. We will get there. Oh, I don't feel like barking, so we will turn around. Let's cross. Let's cross. Well, I have decided I am going to assemble this podcast and share it with you and tell it in three chapters. So the first, I crossed paths with a neighbor on the road. And it it made me happy, and I have done a short recording of that, that interaction with Edith, my neighbor. So I will share that with you. And then next up will be a quick chat from Mount Watetic and the Wapak Trail, and a nice interaction I had there not too long ago. And then thirdly, I'm going to insert into this podcast a recap. I'm going to do a greatest hits, but only, only take one. I, in this, in this season of the holidays and many religious traditions, and also talking with my mom in Israel, it gave me really, really fond memories of my trip to Israel in November uh, 2018. And I, at that time, had recorded about a six or seven minute 
uh, I'll call it race recap of the Elat Desert Marathon that I ran. And I'm going to share that here without any real editing. I just thought I would share it. Um, and as part of that, I have this great recollection of a Muslim call to prayer that I heard in the old city in Jerusalem and it's kind of magic. So I hope you will enjoy this walk with me and uh, let me tell you my tale in three parts. Wishing you and your families Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, be good to each other, love the ones you're with, and, uh, and let's do more and better things in 2021. It is a foggy, misty morning in mid-December. I was just appreciating the birds calling and they are definitely in the mode of, it's gonna be a nice day today. I think it's gonna get up to 60 degrees, which is unseasonably warm. We had a, a bunch of rain yesterday after a few days of cold. And so right now the air is just saturated. It is gray and wispy as I look up the road. I guess my visibility is in that kind of 300 foot range. There's a, there's a bank of trees just, just around 300 plus feet where I can, I can just see the shadowy outline of a tree, but you can't see the detail. And I'm looking to my left across a field that has historically been corn. And hey, good morning, how are you Edith? Oh, I'll be out later. The dog needed a quick early morning walk. And uh, that is my neighbor, Edith. She lives about a half mile away. And if I had to guess, I would say she is 70 years old, about. She's, she's been retired for a long time. She, uh, she volunteers at a horse farm, but it's a horse farm called uh, Greenlock Stables. And Greenlock does horseback riding for children with disabilities. And so both physical disabilities and, and mental disabilities. And uh, so they do horseback riding so the kids can really kind of connect with animals. And it is just amazing to watch. And um, Edith is one of my favorite neighbors. She So right now, I just mentioned, it is a misty, gray, foggy morning. It's probably before 7 a.m. I didn't look at the clock when I left. And she just rode by on her bike, and I see her ride by on her bike every single day, barring like blizzardy storms. She, uh, this is her regular exercise, and this she is not, you know, the uh, there's a an acronym called Mammal, uh, middle-aged man in lycra. Um, she's not that kind of a cyclist. She's not putting on, she doesn't have a fancy carbon bike. She's not wearing lycra. Like literally, she's on a nice steel old. Uh, road bike and she wears her helmet she's a prudent cyclist um, but she's wearing like, jeans and a bright yellow raincoat and I see her when I'm out walking my dog many many days of the week probably because I'm often walking my dog right around sunrise and I suspect that she's timing her bike ride for right around sunrise either that or she's been stalking me for 20 years um, but isn't that a nice thing to be that person who, when you're out and about, you can just say good morning and say hello? Um, I listened, I heard a short audio recording. So 
on LinkedIn, I have a random set of uh, business associates, one of whom recently retired. He's a former town administrator, so kind of town manager in multiple communities in Massachusetts. And his daughter, who, whom I've never met, um, but she is a radio recorder, and a radio recorder, a reporter who does uh, radio news and journalism and has historically worked on Cape Cod. And I think now is either on Martha's Vineyard or Nantucket, but certainly one of the islands off of Cape Cod. And she did a three-minute audio recording kind of about the, like, being present, going for a walk towards the beach, on the, towards the ocean in the winter, um, you know, in a place. So now there's no longer any tourists. It's just, just the regulars, just the, the winter folk who are out there. And she was crossing paths with someone and realized that like in some ways, like when she sees something on the side of the road that she sees every day when she's doing the same walk, kind of like me right now going out for a walk with my dog, you know, I see the same trees, I see the same field, I see the same, a lot of things. And so those things have kind of become furniture in my life. Like I, like if something changed dramatically, I would notice it, but I could also go for a two mile walk and not pay attention. Like I don't need to pay attention to that, that tree or that fence because they're just there. They're part of the furniture of my life. And when she was out for this walk on Nantucket, she realized that there are all these things that are kind of in the furniture of her life. And she saw a runner going the other way and realized that she doesn't know the runner's name. And every morning they just say, good morning. And she said to him, good morning. And he said to her, see you tomorrow. And it was because from his perspective, she is a piece of furniture in his life, right? He, she is an entity that he will cross paths with. And it's, it's both like a little spark of joy, but all just, also just a strong sense of normalcy. And that's it for me with Edith when she goes riding by on her bike. And she, like, she's not pedaling hard. She's not trying to get her heart rate up. I think she is just, I mean, she may be getting her heart rate up, but she's not speeding by like someone training for a race. She's out for her fresh air and going for her bike ride loop. And so I honestly have no idea how far she goes. I know she lives roughly less, but between a half and a full mile from my house. So uh, if the loop that I see her doing is about six miles long, but I don't know if she stretches it out and goes a little bit further. And uh, anyway, isn't it nice to live in a place and be part of a community where you can be the furniture in someone else's life? And you can look at them and smile. And even if you don't say it out loud, you think to yourself, see you tomorrow. Well, I have enjoyed this foggy dog walk. Well, my friends, this is Just Plain Dave. And I find myself on the Wapak Trail. You've heard this before. I love the Wapak Trail. I do environmental work as my day job, and part of that day job has me visiting sites where a spill has happened or a cleanup happens or we need to plan or evaluate an old industrial property. And I'll admit today that I was meeting two of my younger staff, engineers. They were doing full days of field work, but I was kind of kicking off projects 
One was an environmental assessment and old, actually, not even a very old uh, manufacturing facility. It's a brewery, an industrial scale brewery. And uh, so it was worth putting a senior pair of eyes on it to see what kind of processing and chemical handling they have. And of course, a brewery is really food grade, food food processing. So it was uh, it was as neat and clean and hygienic as you would want. Uh, and I can strongly recommend a couple of the beverages on sale by Wachusett Brewing Company. Of course, we did not drink anything because we were not at a distributor today. We were at their brew house or the manufacturing facility. Anyhow, so I found myself in Fitchburg doing that inspection and met a different engineer at a solar farm, a big old solar array that was constructed and just finished late in the summer, early in the fall. And uh, one of the things we do is make sure that where the ground has been exposed and soil has been disturbed, that the engineering design protects the soil, the topsoil, so it doesn't all wash away into the brooks and streams and ponds. And so we had a stormwater inspection. And normally I don't need to go to Lowe's at all, but because it was three miles from the, the other inspection, I tag-teamed them and did them both, and that put me not so far away from Mount Watetic. So I decided to come out here to Mount Watetic for a lunch break. Oh, I love the fresh air. I love getting up in the mountains. I love the big sky. But that's not why I thought I'd record. I thought I'd record to share with you that I think I've just found a perfectly legal way to do drugs. And I, you, they're called drugs when you buy them in the store and you ingest them. They are called neurochemicals when your body creates them itself, when you do something positive. And we think about that when we go out for a run and you get that, that positive feeling from the exercise. And there's all sorts of neurochemicals coming into play there. But, uh, but just now I found myself just on the north side of Mount Watetic, just off the summit, headed north on the Wapak Trail briefly. And uh, it's a chilly November, oh no, it's December. Chilly December day. There's very few people out here on the trail. It's pretty quiet. Masks required. Everyone's wearing them. It's fine. It's not fun, but it's fine. We will survive. And uh, I came across a guy. It turns out his name is Steven. He's from Townsend, the next town over. And uh, he had a saw, like a big a pole saw. So it's got like a six or eight foot fiberglass pole with a bend saw at the end used for cutting limbs. And there's a tree that had fallen across the trail. The tree's probably 12 inches in diameter, pretty good sized tree. Definitely fell in the storm that happened in the last 48 hours, very fresh. But it was uh, definitely blocking the trail and most of the weight of the tree was on the springy small branches, right? But that means there's a lot of tension. So if someone pushed on it, like it could, something could snap and hurt someone. And so he's not wearing any uniform. He's just a hiker and a resident who must want to do, do something good to help folks. So he's up there cutting the limbs and I offered if I could give him a hand. I said, you know, I, all I'm good for is some brute force help. And so he cut some limbs and I dragged them off into the woods and, uh, um, and that was fine, not a big deal. But then, then once we had most of the small limbs off, we gave the tree a big old lift and a shove and got it down so that all the weight was back on the ground. And that was, you know, the safe way to leave it. And then he could do the rest himself. Like I wasn't going to spend my afternoon up here. But I spent a good total of maybe 
20 minutes helping him out. And uh, by doing that, I got this just total surge of positive feeling, you know, like chatting with a stranger, introducing myself, saying hello, doing something. You know, this was not hard work. I literally spent 10 or 15 minutes helping drag branches off the trail into the woods. Um, So it wasn't like I actually exerted myself. But man, I got all these positive brain chemicals, like literally just feeling nice and happy and good because I connected with someone and helped them. And, you know, I'm not looking for a favor in the future. I'm not looking for anything back. It was just an act, literally a random act of kindness. And it made me feel good. And I thought maybe maybe that's something we all should uh, just throw out there while we have the opportunity. So that's my thought from Mount Watadik. This is Just Plain Dave. How are you? This is Just Plain Dave calling in with a race report. On Friday, November 30th, I ran the Eilat Desert Marathon in southern Israel. Eilat is a town on the Red Sea, and it is a beach resort. As much as you can picture one of these in the Middle East, it would be like going to Acapulco or Fort Lauderdale, only the letters on the signs are not intelligible to me, since I don't speak Hebrew or Arabic. Uh, It was very, very interesting. Though I will point out that I did see, um, because it's a beach resort, there are restaurants and bars and pubs and things like that all around. And one of those restaurants was a place called, or one of the, a, a dance hall called the Beatles Let It Be Disco. And uh, that, of course, made me think of our industrialist leader, Sir Kevin of Gwyn. Anyway, the race was amazing. The trip was amazing. And I think my biggest takeaway is I am so glad, so grateful, and so appreciative that I had the opportunity to go and see a completely different part of the world. The culture is absolutely unlike anything we're going to find in New England. Um, Visiting all the historic places, you know, all these, regardless of your religious proclivities, be, be you Jewish or Arabic or Orthodox or Christian, there is stuff to be seen and it is absolutely amazing. And all these things that you have seen in history books from back when you were in school, you know, first there were the Babylonians and then there were the Assyrians and then there were the Egyptians. And my goodness, all these people were work talking about this, this little corner of the world is, uh, has been occupied and busy and under dispute for a long time. So it was absolutely amazing. It was a real, a real highlight of, of my year is getting to go in and see these beautiful places. Also, southern Israel is bone dry. The Negev Desert is a very, very dry place, which means there is almost no plant life, which means when you're standing on a mountain, you can see everything. You can see all the sand and soil and rocks and geology and As you may know, I am a geologist by training, and it was amazing. There's cool limestone formations up in the Jerusalem area, much more leaning towards the sandstones down in the southern Israel. And there was a place called Timna Park, which 
I would say is the equivalent of the Grand Canyon of the Middle East. It was absolutely beautiful. The cliff faces were over 2,000, 2,500 feet tall, um, and that was very near where I ran my, my marathon. So it was absolutely beautiful. The landscape is amazing, and I think I would highly recommend if someone wants to, to make a trip that this is worth it. So the race... It was typical of what you would expect from an American race. There were about 800 or so marathon runners, about 2,000 or so half marathon runners, and it turned the whole weekend into a really big party. This was very much a party about, um, about the half marathon, you know, thousands of people doing that as opposed to, you know, the hardcore folks doing the dusty marathon. So of the almost 3,000 people participating in the weekend, more than 20% were international. That means like not not from Israel. Um, And actually that was the one downside to this. They did so much of the announcements and so much of the signage. Um, You would have expected that English would have been the intermediate, actually English was the intermediary language. Um, There were 80 people from Poland, like 50 from Hungary and a bunch from Italy and other Western European countries. Uh, there were 22 Americans that, that came, and I, that's, I'm not sure what split of those was marathon versus half marathon. Um, but so there was, there was a really good mix of people from other countries, and yet much more than 90% of the communication was done in Hebrew. So uh, there, were, there were a lot of us international folks who, who just were kind of along for the ride, and you figure out what's going to happen by what the crowd is doing. Um, but that's fine. There's, there's nothing really all that complicated. Um, it, was, it was fun to run in an international crowd, though it also meant that in my four-hour marathon, I did much less talking than I normally do. I, uh, and also, the marathoners were pretty well spaced out. Um, and the trail, the course, um, it was absolutely spectacular, but it was also bleak and arid and desert. Um, it was it was very much an up the hill down the hill kind of marathon. I think it had about uh, 1,600 feet of elevation, and all of that elevation gain was in the first half. So it was very much a a steady slog up up into the mountains, and then kind of a bit a bit of across a plateau, and then a very steady descent down down to the uh, the city, and very little pavement. So there's about a mile of pavement on the way out of town and about a half mile on the way back. They actually brought us in kind of on a a dirt road to so that really the the only pavement on the way back was about a half mile right along the waterfront, which is super developed. You know, between you and me, you'd think this was an American shopping plaza, shopping mall with all these American product stores right along the water and it wasn't pavement we were walking on uh, running along kind of a marble you know what I, I would call it a boardwalk but it was made out of marble and stone not out of wood um but so very little pavement very little hard surface this was a a very desert trail uh kind of place there there were no roots to be spoken of because there was almost no vegetation so it's very rocky sandy 
and the sand was totally dependent on the type of bedrock that we were crossing over. So there's places where it was coarse sand, felt like you were running on the beach. There were places where it was dusty powder, uh, reddish colored, um, ochre colored, and it felt like you were running through a layer of flour. It was so fine and dusty and dry. Um, and then a good mix of other kind of sands and gravels. So it was, it was not a place to go fast, uh, both with the elevation gain and the relatively soft footing. Um, there's plenty of water on the course. I carried my my uh, my orange mud aqua pack, which has is kind of a shoulder pack that has two pl- place for two water bottles. So I kind of made sure I had everything. My nutrition and hydration worked really well. I used a total of seven bottles of water and electrolytes during my four-hour run. And it, it made me think that if, if some guy named Moses spent 40 years in the desert, what did he drink if I drank seven bottles of water in four hours? Like, man, everywhere I went, I thought, how can people live here and how can you get by? You need to have a water source. It's a very arid desert. So one last highlight. And so one, the reason I went to Israel, my mom lives there. She's a, she's a cute little 78-year-old lady. And... This is the first time she's gotten to see me participate in an event like this. I didn't take up uh, running and ultramarathoning and things like that until as I was an adult. And she has lived overseas for a very long time. So it was just a really nice thing to be able to share this week in Israel with her and have her be at the marathon and and at the race. Um, And actually, one punchline, she said to me after I finished, she's like, Oh my gosh, you finished a marathon. It's a miracle. And I looked at her and said... If you finished a marathon, that would be a miracle. I've been training for this for years. I should, me finishing a marathon is to be expected. This should be par for the course. So anyway, I guess one other highlight. I was the first American to finish. I have no idea um, if any other, how fast any of the other Americans were, but I noticed that on the, uh, the list of finishers, I was the first American. So I will take home that trophy. Um, I was about 80th overall. So, you know, nothing to complain about, nothing to sneeze at, but nothing to brag about either. Um, it was all good fun. I, I had a great time. I think I strongly recommend that if people have an opportunity to go and travel and do a race, they should. I hope that everyone who goes to Atlanta to run with Mr. Galloway has a great time. That sounds like it would be a cool adventure as well. I have uh, I've certainly spent my travel budget for this month, but maybe maybe in a future year, maybe that'd be the chance to come and, uh, and see everybody in, in, in hot Atlanta. So... From southeastern Massachusetts, having finished my first international marathon and my fastest trail marathon, this is Just Plain Dave. Happy trails, my friends, and thank you for letting me share that recap from November 2018, and let's hope that as we travel into calendar year 2021, there will be some travels, there'll be some adventures, there'll be some getting together with friends. And maybe, maybe that might include going and running a race in Atlanta next December. That feels like a nice goal to put in the calendar. So happy trails, my friends. Be well. This is Just Plain Dave.